All right, please pray with me. God, may the words that are spoken and the message that is heard be filled with your Holy Spirit and let your Spirit illumine us tonight as we seek your peace. Amen. So, back in the spring, I went to a Washington Capitals hockey game with a friend from Tennessee and that night the Capitals were playing the Nashville Predators and my friend wore a jersey in support of her team, the Predators. Um, so before the game began, as we were all walking around Verizon Center downtown, her jersey elicited all the expected responses, the playful boos and the sarcastic good lucks. And it wasn't really a big deal since it was all in good humor. But it became frustrating after the game when the Predators had been defeated by the Capitals. My friend had a good attitude about it, and she admitted the defeat without that many grudging feelings. However, as my friend and I were trying to make our way out of the Verizon Center, several people jeered at her, boasting about how the Capitals were a better team. One Caps fan even shoved her a little. I could tell my friend was upset by this behavior, but she tried not to show it. I thought a lot of this was unnecessary. The Capitals fans had already achieved a feeling of superiority by having their team win the game, so any comments beyond that seemed superfluous and mean-spirited. Overall, my friend handled the defeat of the game, the outcome of it, much better than any of the Capitals fans did, even though her team lost. So, with that story shared, I think a helpful way to imagine this parable in Luke about the Pharisee and the tax collector is to imagine the tax collector as a lone Nashville Predators fan in a sea of victorious Capitals fans, the Pharisees. And like the Capitals, the Pharisees are in charge and largely supported by the surrounding people. Meanwhile, the tax collectors live in the midst of the Pharisees and their supporters Oh, the tax collectors live in the midst of the Pharisees and their supporters. They're wearing the uniform of the opposing team, which in this case is the Roman Empire. And at the time that Jesus was telling parables like this one, tax collectors were hated by Jews for a few reasons. One, they took people's money. Two, they had a reputation for taking more money than they were supposed to, making a dishonest profit. And three, they were Jews, but they were contractors for the Roman Empire, which was a nation of Gentiles. They worked for people who were outsiders, and that was seen as disloyal to the Jews. Even if a tax collector was a decent and honest person just doing the job in order to be employed, the reputation of the tax collector burdened them and made them hated in society anyway. So in this parable, in which Jesus addresses mainly to Pharisees and to people who support Pharisees, Jesus essentially says to them, these people that you hate and think are horrible are probably on better terms with God than you are. And it's no wonder that the Pharisees wanted to hurt Jesus. I think that we as Christians have a tendency to lump this one parable in with all the other scriptures we know about judging people. They all seem to say, don't judge other people, only pay attention to your own shortcomings. After all, only God is the real judge. 
I think this tendency to interpret multiple passages about judging others all the same way can lead us to miss the nuances that each individual passage contains, like today's parable. I also think this parable has been so often heard over the years that we've let it collect dust, assuming we've gathered all the wisdom we can from it. We read it and think, yes, Pharisee bad, tax collector good, don't judge others, be humble, got it, done. This was even my own reaction when I sat down to look at the text for this sermon. What new thing could I possibly say about this short parable that hasn't been heard already? I had to read through it more than once before I had any new thoughts about it, so you're also going to listen to it again in a moment. Think about the way that you hear this parable and where your perspective is in the narrative. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was breeding his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went home to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. Whose perspective did you take in the story? To whom did you compare yourself? Since Jesus addressed the story to people who were like the Pharisee, thinking he was on better terms with God than other people, it would appear that this, Pharisee, this parable was intended to make us automatically compare ourselves to the Pharisee as well. The Pharisee is probably thinking something like, I feel I've done nothing wrong. I don't harm people, and I do everything I'm supposed to do. Why do other people act like it's so hard? Why do people take up occupations that don't make God central, like tax collectors? They call themselves religious, but their lives don't show it. Hypocrites. Though it's not easy to admit it, we've all had thoughts like that, thinking that we've got it right and other people are wrong, especially right now during this election season. But what about if we imagined what the tax collector is thinking, sitting far away and literally hitting himself? Maybe he's thinking, I'm doing my best, but it isn't enough. If I had a job at the temple like the Pharisee, this would be easier. I could be super devoted to my faith instead of struggling to focus on God in the midst of everyday life while I'm trying to make a living. Oh, God, I'm sorry for not being better. I think sometimes we aren't always like the Pharisee. Sometimes we feel more like the tax collector. No matter what we do, it isn't as good as someone else is doing or we aren't as devoted as someone else is. When we embrace both perspectives in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, it's easy to see that this text has a double message. It has both a word of judgment and a word of hope. It reminds us not to get too arrogant, while also reminding us that we don't have to hate ourselves. Jesus often shared words of judgment with the Pharisees, pointing out their hypocrisy and taking them down a peg. And that is exactly what's happening in today's parable. 
In calling out the Pharisees, Jesus reminds us that even if we are doing everything exactly right, we shouldn't step on the backs and shoulders of other people in order to lift ourselves up. To those of us who reluctantly identify with the Pharisee, Jesus prescribes a strong dose of humility. On the flip side, Jesus spent his entire ministry doing everything he could to lift up disadvantaged and marginalized people. Almost the entire chapter of Luke 18 portrays Jesus sharing parables that give hope to people whose backs and shoulders were stepped on and pushed down by everyone else in society seeking to lift themselves up. Before the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, Jesus tells the parable of the persistent widow and the judge, when a widow has to relentlessly advocate on her own behalf before a person in power pays any attention to her. After the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, Jesus lifts up the status of children, saying, Let them come to me. And then he shares the parable of the rich ruler, saying, It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God, which isn't great news for those privileged with wealth, but provides so much hope for the poor who are so often stepped on while the wealthy seek more. When you look at it, Almost all of Jesus' parables carry a double-sided message, a message that delivers humility to the privileged and boastful, and hope to the disenfranchised. In today's parable, Jesus delivers humility in particular to people who think they have a monopoly on the truth and what is right, and he provides hope to people who've been made to feel that they are inherently wrong or bad. Most of us can probably identify with both perspectives in different ways. Right now, it's my hope that we can remember humility in the coming weeks as a new president is elected. We shouldn't carry around pride and arrogance like the Pharisee in Jesus' parable, championing our own positions and insulting the positions of others. Instead, we should remember that being Christian primarily means imitating Christ not just adhering to a set of viewpoints and rules. Jesus' primary interest was lifting up the lowly and giving a voice to those with no voice. Jesus spent his entire ministry reminding ignored and oppressed people that those in power do not have a monopoly on God's favor. As Christians, our primary goal should be to seek to do the same.